All God's people said, Amen. I want to welcome you to Arden First Baptist. If you are visiting, you are a special guest. I want you to feel right at home. We are currently going through a series out of the book of James. And I don't know about you, but this has been very convicting to my heart. Uh, for those of you who haven't been here, uh, check out the podcast. We have it online. But it's been said that James is one of the most directive books in the Bible. Almost every other verse contains an imperative or a command. So um, if you sit through it long enough, there'll be something that God will speak to you about. So I'm looking forward to getting to his word. How many of you were able to see the eclipse this past week? Raise your hand. Uh, how many of you missed the eclipse? Okay, for those of you who missed the eclipse, you're with me. Um, it was really weird. We watched it on TV, but it wasn't the same. And I called my friends up and I was like, how did it go? Well, we waited in four hours traffic, but it was worth it. And, you know, you hear it was a spiritual experience and I was shaking and I hear all this stuff and I'm like, wow, I really missed out. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, one of my friends, he has like six kids and he got caught in traffic and didn't get home till like 10 o'clock at night. But he said it was worth it. And I'm like. You know, I missed it, and I began to feel bad. My wife actually told me to stop talking about the eclipse because I just, like, I never like missing out on stuff. So I came up with three reasons why I missed it. Number one, I was too busy, you know, with four kids and a church and uh, going to school. I just, I didn't have time. So I was like, you know, I just, you know, maybe next year, you know. Um, right? <laughs> Once in a lifetime is what they tell me. But I do hear there's one coming in seven years, so that's right. So they build it up, and then you hear after it's once in a lifetime, they said in seven years. I didn't tell you that before, right? Um, the other one is I was afraid Gabriel, my two-year-old, would fry his eyes because he's, he's hard to control two-year-olds. I'm afraid he would just take the glasses off and, um, you know. And the third reason is because I was so busy, I didn't have time to get the glasses. So I kind of went out, and I kind of pulled a Donald Trump, you know, how he looked up, and then I felt... Like, I better not be doing this. I went back inside and watched it on TV. So uh, I, I kind of had a little downer about it. But then I began to think, the Lord kind of spoke to me and said, Timothy, you know, this is kind of illustrative of the end times when you stand before God and people will use the same excuses why I use. I was too busy. I knew I needed Jesus, but I was just too busy. Um, I just didn't take time to get the glasses. You know, I, I knew I needed to accept Christ, but I didn't. And I don't want that to be the excuse of any of us that we're too busy or we just didn't take the time to have a relationship with Christ. Uh, so use my crazy eclipse story to remind you of the gospel. So I read a story recently about a guy who came into church late, which my, my philosophy is better late than never. Um, so he came in late and they were saying the closing prayer. So he asked the usher, he says, um, is the sermon done yet? And the usher very wisely said the sermon has finished, but it's yet to be done because it hasn't been put into practice. So today we're going to talk about how to not just be a hearer, but a doer of the word. And hearing is only half of the scenario. We have to put action to it. So today we're going to kind of preview the message of um, moving from being just a hearer to a doer. And it's kind of ironic because you remember the last sermon we talked about how to be a good listener. And then James today talks about listening is great, but then you've got to put action to your listening. So how many of you are ready to get into God's word today? All right, let's pray. Father, you're good. And we just thank you for your word. And 
God, I know James, at least for me, has been a very convicting book. And I realize there's many things I need to really work on and grow. And I just pray that we would know this, this church, Arden First, is a place of truth, but it's also a place of grace. It's a place where we can realize none of us are perfect, and we're all in need of God's grace and his sanctifying power in our lives. So, Lord, as we look into your word, speak to our hearts. And, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place so that we will come out of here not just informed, but transformed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be in James 1, starting in verse 21. Uh, this is on your listening guides, or you can take your Bible. If you will, read along as I read. It says, Therefore, laying aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man. And by the way, in the Greek, it's specific man, not a woman. He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forget what kind of man he was. But the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. May the Lord bless his word. So today's message is very simple. I'm going to steal Nike slogan. Does anybody know Nike slogan? Just do it. Um, so today we're going to talk about how to move along the journey of your Christian life from being just a hearer, hearing something, to putting it into practice. The first point is this. Get rid of that which keeps you from God's best for your life. Just do it. Someone say, just do it. All right. So, if you will look at um, verse 21, it says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So I want you to think about it like this. A lot of times there's things that hinder us from God. There's things that clout our spiritual hearing. There's things that trip us up along the way. And last week we talked about, it's interesting, the, uh, the word filthiness um, in the Greek can, can also imply, it's been used in the Greco-Roman culture of earwax. So we talked about whenever you have spiritual earwax, it's hard for you to hear from God. And we, we had a reminder recently, and some of you I've shared this with, um, Saturday we had this big event at the church, a back-to-school party this past Saturday, week before last. So I was getting ready and prepped for this event. I was in the shower, had shampoo, and was getting all ready. And all of a sudden, the water just went out mid-shower. Has that ever happened to anybody? So I'm like, what's going to happen? I'm covered in soap, and I got this church event, and I don't want to come bubbly to church. You know, this is, this is kind of bizarre. So anyways, we, we, we got on the phone and called several people. Finally found a guy who was willing to work on his off day, and he fixed it. So I came home, and... After the church event, it was so exciting. The water pressure was twice as fast as it ever been. A new well pump, new tank, all of this. And all of a sudden, the water pressure went back down to very low again. I'm like, we just paid this guy a lot of money, and it, it's, it's not working anymore. So we called the guy, and you know what we found out the problem was this time? It wasn't in the new tank or the pump. It was the filter. The $10 filter had gotten dirty because when the pressure went out, all the mud went into the pipes. There's no pressure and a $10 fix cleared up everything, 
and the water pressure was back on. And it made me think of life, how God comes into our life and the Holy Spirit's present. But we get spiritual dirt in our lives, unconfessed sin. And all of a sudden we feel like God's there, but we're not really hearing him. And James says, this overflow of wickedness, um, you need to get rid of and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Did you know that whenever you have pride, it often quenches the voice of God in your life? Sometimes when God's trying to tell you something, you're just like, I don't really need it. So humility will open up your ears to God's word, but pride often produces that spiritual earwax. It keeps you from hearing from God. So we just got to do it. Lay aside those things that trip you up. Number two, put into practice what you know to be true. Can I hear a just do it? Just do it. Verse 22, it says, but be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. With, without anyone raising their hands, how many of you have ever gotten a medical report and the doctor gave you that heart-to-heart talk, said you need to change your diet, you need to exercise, and you did it for a few weeks and you went back to the same old, same old. Don't raise your hand. But if that's you, you're in company with the majority of Americans. In fact, they did a study in 2006 And it revealed that following the doctor's orders, every heart bypass patient, this is after they had a a big bypass operation, um, the doctor basically told them, you've got to change your diet, you've got to stop smoking, you've got to exercise. Basically, in the essence, the doctor said, you've got to change or die. And according to this study, two years after this heart surgery, these 500,000 patients they surveyed, 90% of the people went back to their old habits. Even after the doctor said, if you don't don't change your diet, you're going to die, they went back. So they were a hearer but not a doer. So this, James is not just talking about uh, spiritual things. He's talking about in life in general. A lot of times we know what's true, but we just don't do it because we get so caught in our habits. Um, In your notes, if you look at Warren Wiersbe, he has this beautiful quote. It's not enough to hear the word, we must do it. Many people have the mistaken idea that hearing a good sermon or a Bible study makes them grow and get God's blessings. It's not the hearing, but the doing that brings the blessings. Too many Christians mark their Bibles, but their Bibles never mark them. Listen to that. Too many Christians mark their Bibles, but their Bibles never mark them. If you think you are spiritual because you hear the word, He says, then you're only kidding yourselves. So what does it mean to be a hearer of the word, but not a doer? Well, I wanted to come up with something fun that we could remember. So I came up with the the name Dan the doer versus Hank the hearer. So let's look at let's look at the first guy, Dan the doer. Um, On a scale of one to five, look, look at this. This test here, it's in your notes, and you can take this on your own time. Number one, whenever I hear the truth, I immediately obey it and put it into practice in my life. So one would be like seldom, five would be like all the time. Number two, anytime God convicts me of sin in my life, I immediately confess and repent of this sin, seeking after holiness. And you're like, Timothy, this is a tough test. I know, but this is damn the doer. He's, he's doing it. Brother Dan, this is after you, right? Dan the doer. Number three, when God shows me an area of serving him or others, I don't just sit there, I get involved and serve. 
One, seldom five, all the time. Number four, I am open to godly people speaking to my life about things in my life without pushing back in resentment. So I'm open to them speaking truth. In fact, I love those who help me grow in my faith. To be honest, most of us would say maybe two or three in that. Like, people can tell me truth and I don't push back. Number five, every time I hear a Bible teaching or a sermon, I ask God to reveal truth to my life that will help me grow my faith and become more like Jesus. So James says, don't just hear the word, but be a doer of the word. And by the way, in the Greek, the word doer, it's literally present ongoing. So do it and keep doing it. Just do it. Someone say, just do it. All right. Number three, truth without application and action leads to deception. Truth without application and action leads to deception. Don't just know it, live it. Just do it. Notice he says, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So the idea of a hearer, has anybody ever audited a class before in school? You know, the thing about auditing, it, it's really cool. You get to go to a class Usually you don't have to pay for some some colleges or universities make you pay. But you get to have all the information, but you don't have to take the tests. You don't have to write the papers. Auditing is really fun, but you don't get credit for it if you audit a class. It's interesting, the word here in this verse, in uh, this Roman society, um, in the institutions they had, the here paints the picture of someone that would audit a class, and they would do it to get the information but they didn't get credit. So what was true in the Greco-Roman world then is also true in today's universities. You can audit a class, but you don't get credit for it. So what James is saying is in Christianity, you don't want to be an auditor of, of Christianity. You want to be someone that takes it for credit. You don't want to be just someone sitting there for all the benefits and the perks, but you're not really taking responsibility. And that's kind of what he's saying. Many of you know Chuck Swindoll, the famous pastor in Texas. Um, in his book, he, he gives such a, a great illustration. I wanted to read it to you. He says, let's pretend that you work for me. In fact, you're my executive assistant in a company that's growing rapidly. I'm the owner and I'm interested in expanding overseas. To pull this off, I make plans to travel abroad and stay until the new branch office gets established. I make all my arrangements to take my family to move them to Europe for six to eight months. And I leave you in charge of the busy stateside organization. I tell you that I will write to you regularly and give you direction and instructions. I leave and you stay. Months pass. A flow of letters are mailed from Europe and received by you at the national headquarters. I, I spell out all my expectation in my letters. Finally, I return. Soon after my arrival, I drive down the street and I'm stunned. The grass and the weeds have grown up high. A few windows along the street are broken. I walk into the receptionist's office and she's doing her nails, chewing gum and listening to her favorite radio station. I look around and notice that the wastebaskets are overflowing and the carpet has not been vacuumed for weeks. And nobody seems concerned that I, the owner, have returned. I ask about your whereabouts and someone in the crowd area points down the hall and says the manager, he's down here. Disturbed, I moved in that direction and bump into you 
as you are finishing a chess game with her sales manager. I ask you to step into my office, which has temporarily been turned into a television room to watch soap operas. What in the world is going on, man? And the the guy responds, well, what do you mean? Well, look at this place. It's in shambles. Didn't you get any of my letters? Letters? Oh, yes. We got every one of your letters. As a matter of fact, we've had a letter study every Friday night since you left. We've even divided all the personnel into small groups and discussed many of the things you wrote. Some of those things are really interesting. You'll be pleased to know that a few of us have actually committed to memory uh, several of your letters. And we can quote them from, from heart. One or two memorize an entire letter. Great stuff in those letters. Okay, okay. You got my letters. You studied them and meditated on them, discussed them, and even memorized them. But what did you do about them? Do um, We didn't do anything about them. Chuck Swindoll masterfully paints the story of Jesus went away. He's given us letters. And many people in church says, yeah, I know your letters. I know the Bible. I can quote them. But then when he asks us, what did you do about them? What are we going to say? James says, don't be a hearer of the word. Be a doer. Don't audit the class. Take the class when it comes to Christianity. Have you ever heard anybody say, I would go to church, but the church is full of. What are they saying? People hear the word, but they're not doing the word. The more truth that you learn, the more you're accountable for. And everybody said, ouch. So every, every study you go to, every Bible study, we, we encourage and recommend it. But if you're not putting it into practice, James would say, the bigger the hypocrite one is becoming. Because if your level of knowledge surpasses your level of commitment, the gap in between it is what I call the hypocrite gap. And the truth is, for those of you, all of you who are feeling guilty, all of us are hypocrites. Because what we know and what we do, there's always going to be a gap until we're perfect, right? None of us are perfect. So you're like, thank God, I thought that was the only hypocrite in this church. We all are, but we're trying to close that gap. And that's what Bible scholars have called sanctification, becoming more of what you are. So James says, don't just be a hearer, but be a doer. So we talked about Dan the doer. What about Hank the hearer? And if you're Hank, I'm sorry, this is not directed at you. This is just... Alliteration here. So, number one, Hank the hearer listens to God's word with joy, but it makes no difference in his life. How many of us, when we hear a Sunday school lesson, we hear some, we're excited, but once we go home and we talk about the Floyd Mayweather fight, uh, we, we forget about everything. It's done. Um, hopefully no one stayed up till one o'clock in the morning to watch that. I was invited, but I'm like, I got to preach tomorrow. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's like, if, if it brings excitement, but it doesn't do anything, it's like my wife sitting in the front row. I can tell her how much I love and care about her, but if I never take on her date, if I never help out with the dishes or take out the trash, all the ladies said, she's just like, you're, you're a hearer, but you're not a doer. You talk a good game, but there's no action in your step. I know it's getting heated in church today. James is heated, if you haven't figured it out. Number two, Hank the hearer. He goes to Sunday school, Sunday worship, Wednesday night worship, and even enjoys occasional Bible conference. He is fired up to share his new knowledge with his wife, his kids, but it ends there. At work, Hank is still impatient with his customers. On Friday, Hank begins to lose his cool with his kids. He's tired after all, Hank tells himself. He's a hearer, 
but not a doer. Number three, Hanksy here has a critical spirit, ouch, towards those who are different than him. He's really good at quoting the truth, but he struggles with loving those who are far from God. Christians who are not as advanced spiritually really get on his nerves. You know, the thing about it is whenever you look into the mirror, pride puffs you up. But humility, you reveal the mirror reveals that I'm not where I should be. So I can't judge others. I can I can pray for them, but I got to pray for myself. Amen. Number four, this is a, a fun one. Hank the here really enjoys positive motivational messages. These make you feel good. So they're great. He loves them. But messages that challenge him, he turns the channel. He doesn't really like them. It makes Hank squirm. Number five, Hank the here likes to skip over those passages in the Bible that challenges his lifestyle. He prefers to read about the promises in the Bible, not the commands. He loves promises but dislikes the prohibitions. So basically what James is saying, the hearer of the word is the person that audits Christianity. They want all the benefits without the commitment. And before you say, well, I don't know anyone like that, think about our culture. Why do so many couples live together before marriage? They want all the benefits, but they don't want the responsibility. Why do you think so many people go to church and they say, you know, I'm just trying out this church and that church. And they say, I'm looking for the perfect church. In other words, they're dating the church, but they don't really want to get married because they haven't found the perfect one. Um, when it comes to Christianity, they're like, you know, I, I'm, I'm testing out other religions and I haven't really committed. And, you know, the thing about it is Jesus doesn't want to date anyone. He wants to marry everyone that's willing to receive him. So don't be an auditor. Don't be a hearer, but be a doer of the word. Notice in that text, look back at verse 22 and 23. 23 says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, James takes us into this dressing room. He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forget what kind of man he was. How many of you know men tend to glance at the mirror while women gaze into the mirror? By a show of hands, if you think that's not true, how many of you women have a mirror on your person? Raise your hand. It's in your makeup compact or anything. How many of you men have a mirror? My point well taken, right? So... And the reason why I brought up this illustration, the Greek is very clear. A lot of times the Bible uses man, referring to mankind, men or women. James uses the specific Greek word for a male in this. And I think it's comical, the reason why he does. Because if he used it as a woman, it wouldn't make as much sense. Because a woman looks in a mirror and she's like, oh my goodness. And she changes, gets fixed up. A man looks in the mirror and sometimes he just keeps going. None of the wives nudge your husband, but... um. I was reminded of this this week, and I don't mind being transparent with you guys, because uh, I think you'll be able to relate with this. My wife gave me a gift this week. You know what it was? A nose hair trimmer. <laughs> and honestly, I thought I was doing a good job in that department. But she was seeing something that I wasn't seeing. I feel kind of young to have one of those. 
They're good for the ears, too. Thank you. So, my point was, I glance into the mirror, but I didn't gaze into the mirror. James is given an illustration. If you listen to God's word, but you don't just do it, it's like a, a guy, a dude, who looks into the mirror, his hair's all out of place, he's got sleepers in his eye, he's got all, and he, he doesn't change it. In other words, he forgets what he looks like, but no one else forgets. They're like, hey, dude, your hair, hey, your outfit. And he's like, I, I, I forgot, you know. Um, and it's like the imagery, he, he paints this beautiful picture of a mirror. And in biblical times, the mirror was usually polished bronze or even copper. And what's interesting, to get a clear picture, the mirror was not as clear as it is now. I mean, you can imagine a piece of bronze polish. It's not going to have accurate reflection. So to really to get a good look, you had to lean into the mirror. And we're going to see that in the next verse. So which brings up a, 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 a less self-deprecating story, uh, thankfully. There is a businessman. And we got many businessmen in our church. And he worked in the customer service industry. And he realized that people really wanted five-star service at a Motel 6 price. And people were just going off day after day. And in fact, he was sitting at the desk of this hotel. And this woman was going off so much, he said in his mind, this woman doesn't realize what she looks like. She looks like a monkey. I mean, she just arms flailing and going off. So he had a brilliant eureka moment. He said, I'm going to put a mirror behind me so that the customers, they can see their expressions, how sometimes hideous they look when they're going off and agitated. So sure enough, true story, he put a mirror behind him. And the people, once they saw the reflection of what they looked like, they stopped going off. <laughs> so now you ever wonder why there's mirrors in hotels at the front desk? Now you know. <laughs> So James says you've got to get a, an accurate view. So here are four reasons, and these are on your listening guide, why we fail to apply God's word to become a doer. We stay as Hank be here, and we don't turn into Dan the doer. The first one is this. We look intently into God's word without any intention of making changes to my life. So in other words, I'm coming to church Sunday after Sunday. Sometimes if I'm really into it, I come on Wednesday night or Sunday school, and I hear it. But I'm just still auditing the class. I have no intention of changing. Number two, we walk away. We don't continue in God's word. How many of you know people that used to go to this church or used to go to church in general? Now they just dropped out. James gives the mirror illustration. The guy walks away and he forget what he even looks like. Number three, we forget. It's hard to apply God's word when you forget it. So uh, I've been doing a young adult Sunday school class, and I joke with a lot of them. Um, and some of their memories a lot better than others, and some of, some of us are working on myself. You know, what, what did we talk about last week? And we're like, uh. So we, we try to re-go over the message and apply it. And most of us don't have photographic memories. If you're like me, you, you have to work on it. So what James is saying, if you hear message after message and you don't immediately apply it, it's easy to forget it, Right? How many of you could quote what you learned in Sunday school last week? So if you don't put it into practice immediately, you can forget it. And number four, it's kind of application of it, we don't just do it. It's one thing to hear it, but it's another thing to do it. So when you get to heaven, is God going to judge you based upon your level of knowledge or based upon your level of application? Well, Jesus, I can quote the Ten Commandments, 
Well, how many of those did you live out? Well, Jesus, I can quote the Beatitudes. Well, how many of those you lived out? It's not information that counts. It's transformation. And that's why in, in Bible studies, and this is to all of us who teach the word, it's great to get deep and to give it, but if it doesn't have application, it, people become more hearers of the word, and they, 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 they become doctrinal dessert people. They, they love it. They become sermon sippers. I mean, they're, they're, they're getting in the sermon, getting in the word, and they're, they're fluttering around these doctrinal desserts. But if you're not living it, it's, it's not going to make the difference in their life. Number four. This is a mathematical equation that you've never heard. L plus L plus A equals B. You're like, what? Well, it's not a mathematical equation. It's a James equation. It's, it's whenever you listen and you learn and you apply it to your life, it brings about blessing. Look at verse 25. It says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, not a forgetful hearer, but a doer. Someone say doer. Just do it. This one will be blessed in what he does. James gives the funny illustration about a guy looks in the mirror. He walks away. Forget what he looked like. I, he didn't do anything to change his appearance. And then he gives another illustration. It says, but he who looks. Underline that word in your, in your outline or in your Bible, looks. This is the same word that was used of Peter and John. When the tomb was empty and they looked intently into the tomb. It's the same word. So what James is saying is instead of a casual glance, we've got to be like women in front of mirrors. We've got to have a gaze, have a stance, and change things. And all the ladies said, that's right. So we can learn from the ladies. When it comes to the mirror of God's word, we don't need to be like the casual guy. Just, hello, looking at it, I fix a few things, and I go on. We need to be like a woman looking into the mirror. Because you ladies, when you see something, you change it. And that's the application James wants us to have. Not a casual glance. And by the way, another thing that's beautiful about this in the Greek, it paints the imagery of leaning over. Like, say the mirror is on a table, you're leaning over in two so you can see your reflection. F.B. Meyer, this is a beautiful quote. I wish I had it for you on the screen. He says, I, I used to think that God's gifts were on shelves, and they're each were above the other, so that the taller we grow in Christ and in Christian character, the more easily we could reach them. He said, I now find that God's gifts are on shelves, one beneath the other, not on top of the other, beneath the other, and that it's not a question of growing taller, but of stooping lower, and that we have to go down, always down, to get his best. Amen. So here's the, here's the idea. If we're just hearing the word but not doing it, the Bible says it can create deception. So the, the argument of people from the world, the church is full of hypocrites, what they're saying is people are being deceived. Even people in the world can see Christians can be deceived when you know it, but you just don't do it. You don't put it into practice. Because what puts it into practice changes your life. So how many of us want to move practically from being Hank the hero to Dan the doer. I don't know about you, but I'm in that. So I'm going to give you three application points on your listening guide. Number one, realize that applying God's truth actually is the only thing that can truly set you free and keep you free. This is the law of liberty. So in verse 25, when James says the law of liberty, scholars have suggested it means different things like the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments, 
You know, it could be the Beatitudes. What I think it means is the law of love. Because think about it, a law that sets you free, that seems very counterintuitive. But if you turn to James chapter 2, verse 8 and verse 12, it talks about if you really fulfill the royal law of the scripture, which is love your neighbor as yourself. So I think the law of liberty is the law of love. So if you truly love like you should, it's going to set you free. So here's the picture. If you apply God's word, you're going to become more of a lover. You're going to love people more, which is the greatest commandment. Love God and love people, right? Number two, just do it and keep doing it. This is the principle of consistency. Where many of us get tripped up is we start off in the right direction. It's just like that New Year's resolution where you're in the gym for the first five weeks and you drop out. We do that spiritually. We start off well and then we drop out. We stop coming to church. We stop coming to Bible study. We stop accountability. And we started off well, but we just fell off the track. So the idea of consistency is obedience in the same direction over a long period of time. Consistency is obedience in the same direction over a long period of time. And there's many people in the church that have been here. Think of Miss Dot and Miss Betty, 50 plus years. That's consistency. Obedience in the same direction over a long period of time. I don't know about you, but I want to be a consistent Christian. I, I want to be dependable. I want to be the same guy week in and week out. I don't want to change when it comes to morality. And number three, just do it now. This is the principle of immediate obedience. Immediate, immediate obedience. Because delayed obedience is disobedience. So, Jesus, in conclusion, in Matthew seven twenty four through 27, he says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was sounded upon the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall. So let me ask you a question. Are you auditing Christianity? Are you auditing? Are you dating the church? Are you taking it for credit? Are you a hearer or you're a doer? The take-home truth is very simple. Don't just sit there. Do what you know to be true. When it comes to the truth, just do it. Someone say, just do it. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. I know this message was convicting because I'm, I'm convicted now and even as I studied it that often I'm a great hearer, but sometimes I'm not a great doer. And God, I know every one of us is convicted because we all fall short. But God, as I mentioned in my beginning prayer, I thank you that this church is not just a place of truth, but it's a place of grace. And God, we thank you that where we fall short, your grace fills in the gap if we're willing to receive it. Right now, with everyone praying and no one looking around, I want to talk to the Christians first. How many of you would say, Timothy, um, James really stepped on my toes today, and I realize there's certain things in Christianity I've been auditing the course, and I want to take it for credit now. I want to, I want to not just have the perks, but I want to take on the responsibility. If that's you, raise your hand. 
I raise my hand with you. And while you're praying with Jesus, I want to ask a question to those who have not made that decision to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. As the Christians pray, um, if you've never made that step, you've heard the message, are you willing to act upon it? The message for you is Jesus loves you dearly, more than you'll ever know. The bad news is you and I have messed up more than we ever will know as well. But if you're willing to receive Jesus, the Bible says that he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. And if you'll open to him, the Bible says he'll come into you and he'll have a relationship with you. So right where you're sitting, if you're willing to confess Jesus, repent of your sins, just pray, Jesus, I don't want to just hear the word, I want to act upon it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the message, by the word of God. So Jesus, by grace I receive you. I ask and pray that you would forgive me of my sins and step into my heart. I don't want to just hear the word anymore. I want to receive you and I want to live out the Christianity that I've always heard about. Jesus, I make you my Lord and Savior. Come into my life and give me a new start. And Father, for the Christians who are praying, our prayer is that you would forgive us where we've been simply hearing the word, but not doing where we wanted all the perks and benefits, but not the responsibilities. Help us to just do it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. If you will please stand for a closing song. If God spoke to you about some point of the sermon, um, I'll be at the front, Adam and Judy, to pray with you. If you just want to come and kneel, you're welcome to as well. Some of you may have been dating the church and you're like, I need to join. I don't want to church shop anymore. I want to get committed. You're welcome to come down and we'll tell you about how to become a member. So respond as the Lord leads.